Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. And then in terms of rugs, uh, you know, rugs didn't have an off-season program last year like a lot of these rookies. And uh, he got hurt in the first game against Carolina. And uh, got the coronavirus last year, missed some more time. But he's a big reason why Darren Waller had a big year because of the threat of Ruggs. And we don't want to just have Ruggs be a threat. We like him to be uh, on the receiving end of a lot of those threats. So we're trying to get him more and more involved in the pass offense. And so far, so good. What do you guys make of that, Raider fans? What do you think about that? That's John Gruden, the Raiders head coach, talking about Hey, we don't need, we don't want Henry Ruggs to just be a decoy uh, out there. He wasn't, uh, his whole rookie year, he wasn't a decoy. Uh, he did get 43 uh, targets. Um, but generally speaking, and there were a lot of reasons why it played out the way it played out. Uh, there was an injury early on, the first game against the Carolina Panthers, as John Gruden mentioned. Uh, COVID-19 reared its ugly head. Uh, there, so there were, there were some factors that were in play that rendered Henry Ruggs's rookie season less than what the Raiders probably had hoped. And no doubt they've talked about, hey, look, even when he was out there, and we kind of talked about this before the season last year, uh, the mere thought of Henry Ruggs and that electrifying speed that he brings to the table, uh, the mere possibility of that, it's going to change the way defenses defend the Raiders. It was bound to. You don't want to get caught getting beat over the top, which Henry Ruggs has every capable capability of doing. Remember what happened against the New York Jets when Ruggs caught the game-winning touchdown pass when uh, the, the Jets inexplicably uh, decided to go with, what was it, a zero coverage, nothing over the top, uh, and just let, hey, beat this guy and you got an easy touchdown because you're going to be able to beat that guy and you're going to be able to outrun that guy. That's the kind of athlete you are. Teams can't do that. They can't do anything close to that because Henry Ruggs is so darn fast. So what do they have to do? Even though he wasn't producing necessarily, even though there were finer points of the game that he needed to iron out, even though there was an injury that he had to deal with, even though there was COVID-19 that he had to get through, um, he still didn't have, you know, the, the, the numbers that you would have hoped from a personal standpoint. However, because he was out there, in spite of everything that we just mentioned, teams had to roll coverages over to his side. Teams had to be aware of him. And as a result, you look at, you know, uh, Darren Waller getting the, what is 147 targets that he got uh, another tremendous year. Uh, that's great and all. You know, hey, maybe it helped. It probably helped. It did help. Nelson Aguilar with the 87 uh, targets that he got and, the, you know, the, the season that he put together and the great contract that he ended up earning with the New England Patriots because Henry Ruggs, when they were out on the field together, uh, attention was had to be placed on, uh, on, on Ruggs because everybody knows what kind of speed he brings to the table. Uh, it helped open the door, open the field for Nelson Aguilar and others. And that's a good thing, and it can't be overlooked or denied. The truth of the matter is that actually did happen. But the Raiders know that Henry Ruggs needs to be more than that. And 
there's ways that he can help in that regard. And I think the work that he's put in in this offseason, um, he looks different. He looks bigger. He looks more explosive. Uh, the attention to detail of playing wide receiver, getting in and out of cuts, knowing the route tree, knowing the reads, knowing the audibles, knowing, being on the same page with the quarterbacks. Being an explosive player, utilizing that speed to be a powerful player and somebody that makes the other guy, the defender, feel that speed and be afraid of that speed. I'm not just talking about in how teams defended him, but when it comes to one-on-one situations, when ball is in Henry Ruggs's hand and he's getting out of his cut or making his first move after he catches the pass, doing so in an explosive, decisive confident, commanding way that puts the fear of God in that defender and makes him, you know, lunge and and take a bad angle and and be fearful of it. That all plays into it. Henry Ruggs can help in that regard, and by all accounts, he has. By the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Thanks for joining us on the odd hour, three to five. The Las Vegas Aviators play right after the show. I think they're in Salt Lake City, so we wish them well. The early uh, first pitch start means that uh, we're going to be team players, absolutely, 1,000%, and do our part uh, by starting the show an hour early. We're all good. It's a Friday. Come on. We're in Las Vegas. This town runs 24-7. So what? we got to change our schedule by an hour. I don't care. I'm all good with it. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a beautiful Friday. I think it's a beautiful way. You know, it gets to 90 here, 95, 96, and you're like, this is great. This is beautiful weather. After dealing with 106, it's funny. Because coming out of spring, coming out of winter, coming out of spring, where it's just delightful weather here in Southern Nevada, beautiful weather in Southern Nevada. At that time of year, you're going, gosh, you know, if we just had a beach, this would be perfect. That's how good the weather is during most of the year. But then it gets to like, it starts creeping into the 90s, coming off of spring, and you're like, oh my God, it's getting hot. (laughs) You know, in about a month or two, you're begging for that 90, 95, truly. Like, please let it get down to 95. And like, think about what we're saying here, getting down to 95 and being completely fine with that. When a month before, we're like, oh no, here comes the heat. It's getting hot. Ooh, it's hot. Because your body is not quite used to it coming out of winter, coming out of spring, when it's beautiful out here. And then a month, a month and a half, two months later, when it's like 116 consistently, you're like, I could, I, I'm begging for 96. I'm begging for 100 right now. I'm begging for it. Well, here we are. And we are, our, our, our begs, our pleas, our prayers have been answered because uh, it's 95-ish, 98-ish. I don't know. I haven't checked it, but it feels great. feels beautiful. Thanks for joining us. We're talking about Henry Ruggs. We're talking about Brian Edwards. We're talking about how the Raiders go about getting Henry Ruggs more involved. Uh, I want your thoughts, 702-365-9200. I know Raider Nation is itching, itching for Henry Ruggs to do his thing. Because just imagine if he does. Imagine the possibilities of this offense if Henry Ruggs is breaking off 60, 70-yard passes, pass plays, bombs. But also because of that speed and because of that athletic ability, 
get it to him on a crossing route, get it to him on a a screen pass, get it to him in space, get it to him on a fly sweep, let him do his thing with the ball in his hands. So it's halfway, I don't know what what the percentage is, I'm not a a football coach, so I'm just going to say a lot of it is on Henry Ruggs making the necessary improvements, and there is a finer point to playing the wide receiver position that is incumbent on him learning, coming down with the ball. What did Mike Mayock talk about and John Gruden talk about it? Coming down with both feet. Remember, there's a rule change. There's a difference in, in, in the NFL compared to college. You don't have to get both feet down in college. It's that one foot. How many times are you watching your favorite college team if you're an NFL fan and you kind of silently kind of cuss at that stupid rule or at that rule where it only takes one foot uh, in? On the other side, when it's your team, when it's your favorite team and your favorite wide receiver on a college team coming down to nine, you're celebrating like it's a Super Bowl, right? Kind of funny how it works out that way. But point being, there's a, a rule change and it's not insignificant having to get both feet down on the ground in bounds. Stuff like that. Those finer points of the game, the the intricacies of the game um, the part of the game that when players master that, it takes them to an entirely different level. And look, I mean, Henry Ruggs not asking him, um, you know, to be as precise as, you know, our Robert Woods, who's just kind of a magician out there, or um, name any of the great uh, technicians, technical wide receivers. Um, and sometimes... Guys have to do that. You're 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 Robert Woods because they don't have the just the breathtaking speed. So they got to figure out a different way uh, to do it. That's what a guy like Cooper Cup. You know, I I got to tell you a funny story. I remember um, this is how we think sometimes, and it's kind of sad that we do. Um, I remember it was uh, uh, Cooper Cup's rookie year, all right? He's just going off on somebody, as he, as he kind of did. And on Twitter, people are talking about, they're calling him, oh, it's the next Gordy Nelson. And I'm thinking to myself, the next Gordy. Do you realize that uh, Gordy, that's his name, right? Gordon, uh, Gordy Nelson. Uh, Jordy Nelson. I was like, what am I talking about? Jordy, Gordy, Jordy Nelson. Remember the former Green Bay Packer, the former um, Raider wide receiver. Okay, so everyone, for obvious reasons, and I'm not going to get into it, are looking at Cooper Cup and looking at Jordy Nelson. And what do you obviously see? Let's not even get into it. But we know what we're talking about here. And on Twitter, people are talking about, oh, Cooper Cup's next Jordy Nelson. I'm like, do you realize that Jordy Nelson was like a three-time state champion in track and field? Or, or multiple state champion in track and field in Kansas, where people run fast in Kansas. This That dude was like a track athlete. He was a, a burner, you know? He wasn't Henry Ruggs burning, but the dude could run. The dude could cook. Cooper Cup doesn't have nearly that kind of speed. Those are two different football players. Let's stop looking at things myopically or just lazily and start really looking at the finer points of things, Okay. Cooper Cup's not Jordy Nelson. They're two different football players. The point being, Jordy Nelson, who's not as fast as, or, or, or Cooper Cup, who's not nearly as fast as a as a uh, as, as a Jordy Nelson, had to figure out a different way. How do you do that? 
by being a precise technician, like a magician almost, getting off the line of scrimmage with tremendous pristine footwork, knowing every route uh, in the book, knowing how to set defenders up, knowing how to play coverages, knowing how to attack coverages. All of those things, Robert Woods does it the same way because Robert Woods, Robert Woods isn't Jordy Nelson, for crying out loud. He's a step slower. So he had to figure it out a different way. Now, granted, all these guys are fast compared to the average human being, but there's fast and there's, oh my God, kind of fast. And the guys that aren't at that level, think about it. They're playing against players, defenders, some many of whom are at that kind of level, are at that kind of a speed advantage. So they got to figure it out a different way. I, you know, somebody like a Henry Ruggs might not have to get to that length or go that far in terms of just the mastery. It would be great if he did, and if he did, oh my, you know, now you're talking about a Hall of Famer kind of a player. But he does need to get better. He does need to complement that speed or accentuate that speed with the ability to be a student of the position of wide receiver. Can he? Will he? Well, I mean, um, I think a lot of that is is what Mike Mayock, you know, was talking about um, during uh, during the winter and some of the the, the uh, boxes or, or the to do list that he gave Henry Ruggs on on what it is that he needs uh, to work on. I, I, you know, areas to focus on during the off season, getting stronger, getting bigger, eating right. You know, there's, there's when we talk about eating right, um, for some guys, you know, you have your big guys or your guys that, you know, have a hard time shedding weight. And, you know, so, so there's a nutritional program to make sure that they don't get overweight quickly. Um, and, 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 and then there's the kind of guys like, and I'm sure Henry Ruggs fits into this situation where it don't matter how much he eats because he just burns it off so quickly. So you have to figure out a way to nutritionally be able to bulk up a, in a good way. Cause you don't want it to be bad. Um, but in a way that, you know, the timing of when he eats, how much he eats, what he eats, um, it's done in a way that keeps the weight on. He needs to he needs to be at a certain weight, and he needs to stay at a certain weight. Um, he's one of the blessed ones where it's not a it's not an issue. Like he's he he burns like a furnace. There's plenty of guys that do, um, and uh, we hate them, don't we? Uh, just kidding. Uh, we understand it. So when you know Mike Mack talks about the nutrition and, and, and eating right so that uh, he's able to put muscle on, he's able to get bigger in a, in a good kind of a way, also keep weight on, uh, which can be a challenge for certain guys. Um, that is part of it. But also just the technical aspect of playing wide receiver. And let's remember a couple things. Number one, um, this was something that was common knowledge of Henry Ruggs. There was a total understanding, no matter who drafted Henry Ruggs, and he was slated to go anywhere from where he was drafted to 16, 17 or so. Uh, plenty of teams had their eye on Henry Ruggs for, for obvious reasons based on what he did at Alabama and what he brought to the table. But there was always an understanding that Henry Ruggs was a work in progress in, in certain areas. And Anyone that drafted him, Raiders included, did so with that understanding that, hey, it might take a little while longer for him to master some of the um, 
some of the uh, real integral parts of playing wide receiver. But once he does, and there's history is on his side, um, especially as how hard he works and how much he cares, history is on his side. There's plenty of guys uh, that were able to do that. John Grunois brings up Cliff, Cliff Branch. I know it was a different time and all that kind of stuff, uh, but Cliff Branch, the speedster that he was, if you go look at the first few years of his career, it took a while for it to turn around for him um, or for, the, for, for everything to match up, for everything to line up, for the speed to line up with the understanding of the position, um, and then, boom, you know, he should be in the Hall of Fame, right? He had just some tremendous years uh, for the Raiders. Uh, and there's, there's, there's a hope within the Raiders building that that's going to happen. Like, they, they didn't draft Henry Ruggs thinking that he was a finished product. They drafted Henry Ruggs understanding that there was some work that needed to be done in order to get him to where they really want him to get to. It might be a little bit of a process. And, you know, that's okay. When you're drafting guys... You know, um, obviously, ideally, you want everybody to be ready to go right now and be the perfect product and the perfect finished product. But when does that ever happen, right? I'm looking at the Phoenix Suns right now, and um, they're kind of a classic example, as are the Atlanta Hawks in a lot of ways, too, that it takes time. It sometimes takes, not sometimes, it always takes a little time, unless you're LeBron James, you know. And even with him, it took him a little while for the team to get around him that he needed. It never happened in Cleveland, although um, I always say this about people who have anything to say about LeBron James. Put Kobe Bryant, and I love Kobe Bryant, you know me, put him on that uh, on the Cleveland Cavaliers team that he took to the NBA Finals in, what, 2000 and... 2008, something like that, whatever that was, whatever year that was, where they beat the Pistons and got to the NBA Finals. They got swept by a superior San Antonio Spurs team. But go look at that roster from LeBron James um, that he took, dragged uh, to the finals with them. That took a lot uh, for him uh, to get to the finals. Uh, but anyway, if you look at like what's going on with the Phoenix Suns, what's going on with the Atlanta Hawks, there was a lot of suffering <laughs> that went on with those teams because players, just young players with a lot of potential, just weren't ready yet. And, you know, obviously the Suns adding a Chris Paul helps it because, you know, sage, um, savvy veteran that's been there, done that. Um, perfect kind of a guy to fit into a system like that um, with all that with all that uh, talent and to get it all settled down and simultaneous guys were just starting to grow up right um, and and it's it's really cool to see how that's working out right now for for the sons and so but it shows you like if you're freaking out about you know um, if you're freaking out about Henry Ruggs you don't necessarily like don't give it a little bit of time, you know, uh, give it some time because sometimes it just takes a little bit of time and that's okay. Uh, look at DeAndre, um, Ayton. Remember, I mean, how many times were people calling him a bust for a couple of years? Not anybody that knows basketball. They knew, Hey, especially for a young big takes a little while. It's not going to, Oh, you know, not everybody's, Anthony Davis that just walks in um, and, and gets it and puts up spectacular numbers. 
Um, DeAndre was a uh, kind of a raw, a little bit more of a raw prospect, uh, maybe. Um, and he's a traditional big, whereas Anthony, you know, didn't Anthony kind of sprout like he was like six six? He was like a he was playing like a like a wasn't he like more of a wing kind of a guy in his earlier years, and then he just kind of sprouted. But by the time he did, he'd already learned how to dribble, how to shoot from three, you know. So he was kind of that. Tra- that not non-traditional big uh it took deandre a little bit of time it's it's taken devin booker some time and obviously it took the phoenix suns time uh to build around him but my point is is that we give up so quickly uh, on young guys and then two or three years later you see him doing something with another team sometimes you're like wow why didn't we hold on to him You, you know but got to be patient sometimes. And, and Henry Ruggs, to me, is a lot like some of these younger NBA players where you can't get frustrated just because it hasn't happened overnight. It doesn't always happen overnight. Yes, there are guys where they go into a great situation. Uh, maybe they you know, they, they were able to stay healthy. Um, you know, Maybe because they, they got off to a hot start, like Justin Jefferson, it built up a lot of confidence um, with his quarterback. Uh, the, the, the Vikings also lost um, a, you know, Adam Thielen went out for a little while, so it opened up some opportunities. So there's, there's, there, he was injury free. Um, it was great, and that's awesome for him. But that doesn't mean it's not going to work for Henry Ruggs. I want to know what your expectations are for Henry Ruggs. I have my idea. I want to know what you guys think. What is possible for Henry Ruggs this year? And also Brian Edwards. Can't forget Brian Edwards. So give us a call, 702-365-9200. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Ibarra. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Hey, a quick uh, shout out uh, to Salute Mexican Bistro and Tequileria here in uh, Las Vegas, which, is fe- which features Embajador uh, Tequila uh, and Demon Run Rum. Uh, they're over at 8125 West Sahara Avenue, Suite 110 in Las Vegas. They have a Latin party brunch every Sunday from 1 to 5 p.m. Live music, dancing, great food, and drinks. Uh, and this week they are featuring Latin percussion sounds by Las Vegas' own Steve Weiss. Uh, uh, from Zumanity, um, Recycled uh, Percussion, and Broadway Stomp. Uh, so go check them out. Salute Mexican Bistro and Tequila Ria. Uh, they feature Embajador Tequila and uh, Demon Rum, which is a, uh, a new good friend of the show. Uh, that's at 8125 West Sahara Avenue uh, here in Las Vegas. Uh, Latin Party Brunch every Sunday from 1 to 5 p.m. Great food, great sound, music, and of course, uh, Embajador Tequila uh, and Demon Rum. We're going to go right out to the Raider Nation guest line to welcome in my good friend uh, over at The Athletic. Ted Wynn. You can follow him at FB underscore film analysis. I say this all the time. Uh, Ted does a tremendous job of breaking down football uh, in a way that's very, very easy to digest and understand, even for idiots like myself. Um, 
I get it, and I can see it much, much better uh, when he takes the time uh, to lay it out the way he does in a visual uh, and written way. So uh, first, without further ado, Ted, thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Just uh, enjoying Friday and, you know, getting ready to for this, long, for this weekend. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Ted, we're only about four weeks out uh, from training camp. Hard to believe, but that's here we are. A little bit shorter for, for the teams that are going to be opening up the season uh, a little bit early in the Hall of Fame game, and then also that Thursday night uh, kickoff. So that's uh, about three weeks away uh, until they open up training camp. And here in Las Vegas and across Raider Nation, you know, obviously there's a lot of hope uh, and a lot of expectation for young Henry Ruggs, uh, the, the now second-year wide receiver from Alabama. Uh, he had an okay uh, rookie season. It definitely wasn't numbers-wise, I think, what the Raiders um, were hoping for, uh, and certainly not Raider Nation. There were some extenuating circumstances, an injury in early, you know, uh, early in the season, COVID-19, not having an offseason, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but you put together a great uh, piece over at The Athletic, um, and it explains why Ruggs struggled to produce the way the Raiders, uh, with the way the Raiders used him, and some technical flaws that were, uh, you know, that need to be ironed out for him to take that next step. Um, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the story, what's your conclusion or gut feeling on uh, where Henry Ruggs is and where he can potentially be very quickly? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly where he is at this point because, you know, I know he gained size and he, he part of uh, the reason why he uh, was such a, seen as such a good prospect was his work, work ethic. So I'm sure he's worked a lot on those things that I mentioned in the article about his technical flaws and, you know, we, there's reports about him getting uh, much bigger, which it was needed. Uh, but just based on the film that I saw uh, last season, he was just very uh, raw in terms of his ability to get off uh, press coverage and just was not didn't have the strength to play against some of the bigger, more physical corners that he saw in the NFL. Was that an issue uh, in, in in college? And and um, you know where were you on uh, the wide receivers uh, coming out of college last year? Um, you know I know Justin Jefferson obviously exploded onto the scene. My recollection was nobody really had him among the top three wide receivers that were generally being, cons being considered. Um, where, where, did, where did Henry Ruggs fall in, in your hierarchy coming out of college uh, in 2020? Uh, he, he was my wide receiver three um, com coming in. I, I liked uh, C.D. Lamb a lot. C.D. Lamb was by far my number one receiver. And then Judy, and then uh, and, and Judy, and then uh, Henry Ruggs. Um, and yeah, some of the problems that you know we, we saw in college um, start you know, happened in NFL too. He just, but it you know he didn't see as much press coverage just because in college you don't see a ton of press coverage and you don't see a lot of really physical good corners. So there were clues that you know he struggled with physical coverage uh, when he actually uh, faced teams that were willing to press him and had the, cor the corners that um, were able to do it. So there were some signs that he he could struggle, and in the NFL you see a lot more press coverage. Uh, the, the 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 cornerbacks are a lot better, and that's part of the reasons why he struggled. And um, I, I you know I talked about an article, but I, I think one of the reasons why he just makes his move too early. When you're playing press, you can either jam really right off the bat, or you can play kind of a soft shoe technique where you back up a little bit. And a lot of corners are playing soft shoe uh, on rugs. 
Um, and what you have to do against that technique is you have to close that space on them and then make your move. But if you make your move too early, the cornerback's not threatened, and they don't really bite on fakes. And another thing with his fakes is he didn't really use his head and shoulders too much at his fakes. Uh, he just kind of stepped in the direction he wanted to fake in, and that just wasn't very convincing for NFL DBs, and they weren't biting on his, his fakes that way. So those were the two big technical flaws I saw uh, against press coverage. So hopefully he, he worked on those things, and uh, we, we see some improvement in those areas. You know, when I watched Justin Jefferson on tape um, with the Vikings, that head and shoulders thing seemed pretty prevalent. Am I right? Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I, I think, you know, part of being good against press coverage is it, it, it's almost instinctual. That's like a little part of it that's instinctual. Like you, ha- you have to know when, where to fake with DBs and when to use what type of releases. So that part, I can't tell if Ruggs can make an improvement in that area. I think he can, but I think part of it is instinctual, too. So uh, we'll see how much he can improve in these areas. That part where you were talking about where he was um, breaking the route, a little, I mean, not breaking the route, but, but making his cut maybe a little bit too quickly, getting into his route a little bit too quickly, is that something that can be taught? That sounds like something that might be you just kind of drill it into his head, like you got to wait a little bit longer before you sell it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I think that part is definitely teachable. That. That is something you got to drill more and more, and I think he would have had more time to work on it if they had an actual full training camp. But unfortunately, you know that's part of the equation of why he struggled too. He didn't have a full training camp to really work on these flaws, and the, you know he did get open too. But there's this he, he he didn't get wide open at times, but there's times where you could get open just enough for a quarterback to put the ball on you. But I don't think he ever really established that level of trust with Derek Carr. So. Carr wasn't throwing him those you know, contested catches or um, those, those times where he did get open by just a step or two. Uh, so that's another thing that hopefully they can work on this offseason is just really getting that chemistry going. Uh, we're talking to Ted Wynn from uh, The Athletic and always does a great job uh, breaking things down. Uh, Ted, when you look at Henry Ruggs, um, what stood out for you, if anything, um, about what he was able to bring to the table uh, next year and some things that he could possibly build on this year? I mean, that, that speed's legitimate. You know, when he has a free release and uh, corners have to run with him, they, they struggle to run with him, and he, he got behind defenses a lot. He could have had more yards, like I said, but I just don't think there was that trust factor with Carr yet. And uh, there, there were times where he did throw with them where they were just a little bit off. Uh, so the speed is legit. And um, the difference between Ruggs and, let's say, you know, a guy like John Ruggs, uh, John Ruggs for the Bengals, who was just, just a pure speed guy, is that Ruggs could make those contested catches. He can make some spectacular catches, and he's not scared to go up the middle or go up for a ball. Uh, so those are all, you know, that, that's what makes him stand out from those classic speed guys that don't really um, do too well in, in the NFL. So, uh, again, once he gets these details in and he gets that trust with Carr, I think we're going to see a lot of spectacular catches from him. Ted, on the other side of the ball, um, last week when we talked to uh, Unique Ngakwe, and I think this is a very shrewd thing on his part, coming into a new team, um, his presence potentially taking some snaps away from somebody like a Max Crosby, for him to go out of his way to really um, create this kind of a tandem situation with he and Max uh, in order to, 
I think let Max know that, hey, I'm not coming here to take your job or anything like that. We're going to be able to get this thing done together and lift him up uh, in terms of the confidence. Um, a, how shrewd was that on Unique's uh, uh, part? And do you believe that this can be a, a pretty strong tandem? And how do you see that kind of that, that, that defensive end rotation playing out for the Raiders? Yeah, I think that was a great move. And I think part of it is there's a lot of guys around the league that watch Max Crosby and and realize what kind of you know what kind of talent he has. So he just has to kind of put it all together. Last season he kind of struggled with injuries, uh, but still put up you know decent numbers. Uh, and I think he really d- does believe that him and, and Max Crosby could be uh, a pretty difficult tandem for a, a team to have to handle two uh, really good pass rushers. Um, and, and as far as him adding size, it's pretty interesting because uh, typically. Gus Bradley will have a strong end and a Leo. And with a strong end, you want a bigger guy that can handle tight ends in a run game. And with a Leo, it's, it's a weak side. And so you're lining up on a weak side. You're a smaller, uh, smaller, quicker guy. And, and, and Gakwe has usually played that Leo role. And Max Crosby projects to be a Leo because he's not that huge physical end as well. So if you're looking at starters, you would think that Farrell would be the strong side end and then um, and then Ngakwe would be the Leo but now with Ngakwe adding some size maybe he can start at that big end position and Crosby could start at that Leo position and they both could start and the Raiders would have two really good uh, pass rushing ends starting so I think that opens up the possibility of both of those guys starting. Where would that leave Cleefo? I think maybe Farrell wouldn't start Maybe he would start against certain teams. If you're going against a team that's really good um, with the run game and has a really physical run game, maybe he starts then. Uh, But, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out. Uh, uh, Ted, another young wide receiver for for the Raiders that uh, that I think everyone is is kind of counting on uh, a to stay healthy. That's that's always the key to everything. Um, but but take a step forward if he does is Brian Edwards, uh, the young wide receiver from South Carolina. In your film analysis of him, how could he help the Raiders? What kind of year do you think he could potentially could be set up for as well? Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the film for for Brian Edwards, um, and you're not lo- counting the you know or looking at the injury part of it, you know, he has late first round, second round uh, type of talent that he shows on film. Um, when I watched him in college, at least that's what I thought. Uh, but unfortunately, he's dealt with some injuries in college, and he dealt with some injuries in his rookie year. So I think he's really talented. He could run. He's really um, he could, he's a great route runner for a, a guy his size. He can make those contest, catch, contest catches. He can run after the catch. Uh, so yeah, I'm really interested to see how he develops and if he can stay healthy. Um, I, I believe the Raiders are probably going to go in with uh, the the two two uh, receivers that he drafted last year with Ruggs and Edwards. Uh, Edwards really fits that prototypical X uh, position when and Ruggs to play the Z. Um, and, and, I, and I think Carr was best when he had Michael Crabtree, a physical uh, presence on the outside, and Edwards has that type of uh, ability, I think. All right, Ted, last question. Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs. Um, well, last two questions, I just say. Uh, looking at the Cleveland Browns, um, Kareem Hunt had 198 uh, runs last year, rushing attempts. Uh, Nick Chubb had 190. Could we see something similar, um, a, a similar model, maybe not that 
you know, 50-50-ish, um, but somewhere close to that with, with Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. And when you talk about Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs, uh, Henry Ruggs, uh, Hunter Renfro, Brian Edwards, Foster Moreau, um, Darren Waller, John Brown, Willie Sneed, what's, what's the potential of this Raiders uh, offense? Yeah, I, I don't know the split between Drake and Jacobs would be quite like Hunt and Chubb because Chubb was um, hurt a majority of the year. And I, I think Jacob is a lot better as an inline runner um, than Kenyon Drake is. Drake obviously has different a different skill set, and you know, you, you'll see him u- be used in third down, and he, he'll be a, pr- a pretty good spellback for Jacobs as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, this, this offense has a ton of playmakers. Uh, Foster Moreau is the number two tight end this year. Uh, last year, he just didn't get a lot of targets with Jason Witten and coming back from that ACL injury. Uh, so I'm excited to see it, the Raiders use some more uh, or have a better um, receiving threat with their 12 and 13 personnel. Uh, they have a ton of talent, and John Gruden is really good at mixing up formations, mixing up his personnel groupings, and that's what makes them hard to stop. Um, the big question mark is going to be how this offensive line with uh, some unproven guys and some new, uh, new new starters how they perform because you know you're not going to be able to have a strong offense if you can't run block and, and pass block. So if the offensive line lives up to their promise, I, I think this is going to be um, a top ten offense again. Well, I can't wait for your uh, your film analysis, especially early on uh, of that Raiders offensive line, uh, how you see it working or potentially not working. Uh, I know that everyone uh, in Raider Nation uh, they have to have it work uh, for this offense to go like you said, so uh, that'll be a fascinating subplot uh, to this season. Uh, Ted, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. You know I always appreciate it. Take care of yourself and have a great weekend, my friend. Same to you. Thanks for having me on. You got it. That's Ted Wynn from The Athletic, uh, and you could follow him, and I highly urge this, at FB underscore film analysis, uh, and go pluck down the couple of bucks a month or whatever it is for The Athletic. They do a tremendous job uh, as well. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Our thanks again to uh, the Athletics' Ted Wynn. Uh, love the work that he does over at the Athletic. Love the film work and uh, visual work, uh, coupled with the uh, the written format. Uh, he just does a really good job of, uh, of breaking things down. And as it relates to Henry Ruggs, you know, um, the head and shoulder thing um, is, is really telling because, as Ted explained, uh, because if you look at Justin Jefferson, if you look at Stephon Diggs, those two guys just understand it in a the highest ways possible watch those guys how they get off the line of scrimmage and how they utilize their upper body to help it obviously we took talk all the time about footwork and it's in conjunction with impeccable footwork too but the way like watch justin jefferson how he kind of lunges and leans and does all this stuff with his upper body to get I mean, you know, if you're a defensive back, you're like, where's he going? You're like, your arms are flailing in both ways. Like, okay, I got to cover both ways. Because it's like they're shimmying in a way. And it's like this, okay, I'm going here, here, no, here, here, boom. 
break it off so, uh, in, a in a direction after getting uh, the defensive backs just completely confused on where it might be uh, because they, they're, they're waiting for something to happen and trying to guess along uh, with Stefan or with Justin Jefferson uh, while they're trying to read their upper body on which direction are they going to end up doing, but they do it in such a unbelievable, intricate way that it's almost impossible to keep up. And by the time you know it, they've got a foot, a yard uh, space between themselves and their and their defenders, and it's just off to the races at that point. If Henry Ruggs could get to that point where, I mean, that's difficult to do because those two dudes are just, they're on a whole, whole other level when it comes to that. Now, neither is as fast as, as Henry Ruggs, so Henry Ruggs has that advantage over them. But if I'm Henry Ruggs, I am watching Stefan Diggs. I'm watching Justin Jefferson. I'm watching Cooper Cup. Uh, I'm watching Robert Woods. I'm watching technicians um, who are able to get off the line of scrimmage and get into their route um, simultane while simultaneously getting the defensive back going every which way. And what you ultimately do uh, by doing it correctly and by doing it well is you create space for yourself between yourself and the defender. And being open is the key to everything. Yes, as, as Ted said, and this is a attribute that, um, that Henry Ruggs do does have. He's a football player now. Don't ever forget that. And so on contested balls, he's going to go up and get it, and he's going to fight for it, and he's got good hands, he's got good concentration, uh, and he's got good you know, catch skills, uh, and, and he's an athlete and he's going to fight for it. So, um, that's going to be something that, you know, gives him an advantage, but if he can implement some of the things that a Jefferson has or a Stefan Diggs, those are the guys that I would be watching like right now, because that's the area that Henry Ruggs, in addition to, as Mike Mayock stressed, you know, getting stronger and getting bigger and, and all those type of things. Uh, th those are the areas that he needs to work on in order to take the next step, you know, as a NFL wide receiver. And, you know, um, it's, it's, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, but the one advantage that he has, or the big advantage that he has, is that if he can add on those elements to his game, you know, then in addition to the speed that he has, man, that makes that's going to make him so much better. Uh, and I really like what um, you know what what Ted was talking about in, uh, as a, as it relates to Brian Edwards. I think Brian Edwards is a sneaky, big, kind of a low key, under the radar guy um, as it relates nationally. I know everyone's talking about Henry Ruggs. Everyone's talking about the defense. Everyone's talking about you know this offensive line, um, but. I think last year, Brian Edwards was flying a little bit under the radar, you know, based on where he was drafted. Um, and I think he continues to fly under the radar because, again, like like Ruggs and even more so, you know, Brian dealt with injuries last year. And it wasn't until later on in the year uh, that he kind of caught back up. Um, he got hurt during, uh, you know, his probably his best game of the year against the New England Patriots, uh, getting dragged down from the back. I thought it was a more serious injury upon watching it as I watched it live than it turned out to be. However, it was a significant enough injury that lingered, you know, and, and it was a leg injury. I think one of, what was an, an ankle injury, if I remember correctly. Um, 
you know, and when you don't have your wheels as a wide receiver, <laughs> it's you're just not going to be the same player. That's not something that you could just play through. And so he couldn't. And uh, it took him a little while. Even when he got back, he still wasn't 100%, nor was Henry Ruggs. And it definitely showed. It showed in how they looked. It showed in how they played. It showed in how uh, they were used. Now, in Ruggs's case, you know, you can put a Henry Ruggs out there even less than 100%. And again, just the mere presence of Henry Ruggs uh, gets the defense thinking a certain way. You know what I'm saying? Like they're going to have to account for him, even if they don't know exactly how healthy he is. Uh, they're going to understand, okay, yeah, this is somebody that we can't just sleep on and just single cover. Uh, because even at that level, whatever health level he was at, he could still blow by people. Now, he wasn't full throttle. That was pretty obvious. Uh, but him just being out there at times certainly helped uh, the, the rest of the players. Now, again, I look at, you know, kind of the targets that that, uh, that Darren Waller had, 147, I think it was. It was over 140. Uh, I, th I almost think it would be better off for the Raiders to take that down, um, you know, to 120, 110 maybe. And, and spread it around a little bit more because even last year there were some forced, there were some forced attempts. You know, like um, I'm not, I don't, I got, I have to go back and look at it to see, you know, how many times, um, you know, Derek Carr threw that way, and either you know maybe went for a turnover because he was trying to force it. Um, I, I don't remember him off the top of my head uh, to that extent, but let's look at how many times. Uh, Darren Waller was targeted and how many catches he ended up um, coming down with. Um, I think it was, I want to say that it was, hang on one second. As we go to uh, statistics, where are the statistics? I think he had 147, you know, targets and then he had, what, uh, 90 catches, 90 some odd catches. I got to look at that again. But anyway, um, I think the Raiders are better off if they drop his targets down a little bit and spread that ball around a little bit more so that um, other players could get involved and that you know you're he's even more efficient in the targets that he does get uh, but we shall see I'm gonna look at that uh, target to uh, football reference is uh, is, is uh, messing with me right now so I'm gonna get that fixed but you're in the huddle of any monster brought to you by tequila the Bahamas.